0: Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm reading Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for everybody here. Um, I thank you that we can all worship you together. Um, I pray for Mafi as he speaks to us today. Um, I pray that, yeah, we'll just hear your word through him. And yeah, we'll learn more about you. Amen.
1: Amen, thank you, Becca. I wanna ask for an apology. Or I want to offer an apology, first of all, because on Friday evening, we got our Christmas tree put up. And so if it is the unforgivable sin, then uh, I think you guys need to do a little bit of work to forgive me. <laughs> Emma and I got our tree up, and while the tree was being put up, I turned around and said to my, my best virtual friend, Alexa, play uh, Christmas songs by Michael Bibli. And so for the next hour, maybe hour and a half, we had Michael Bublé blaring in the living room while the Christmas tree was being put up. So good afternoon, church. My name is Maffy. I, I, I serve as the assistant pastor here. I pray that you would have mercy on me. Non-given. And the big idea today is that forgiven people become forgiving people. Amen? Forgiven people become forgiving people. But the big problem with forgiveness that we find is that forgiveness doesn't come without a cost. So C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he came out with this incredible line. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And he's not wrong. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And so I want to ask the question, why can it be so hard to forgive others. Why is it so hard for us to forgive others? And so it could be any or it could be all of of the above. Perhaps we don't trust that God is just. Perhaps we don't trust that that God is just. So we need to execute justice. That's why we don't offer forgiveness, because we need to execute justice I'm suggesting that, that God isn't just. Perhaps we want to reciprocate the pain. So there's been a pain that's been caused to us Somebody has sinned against us, they've hurt us, they've harmed us, whatever it is they've done, and perhaps we don't forgive because we want to reciprocate that pain, we want them to feel what, we, what we, they felt, we want them to feel what they made us feel, and so we reciprocate it, or maybe we're just not, not willing to absorb the cost, why should we pay for it, it was them that hurt me after all, so why should I pay for it? And so, church, I don't want you to merely take this for me. This isn't just what Matthew is saying today. I want us to see what Jesus begins to say. And so, as we jump into the text this afternoon, we're going to find that, that Jesus' parables often came as a result of a question. And the question was usually intended to trap or to trick Jesus. But this time, the question is coming from one of his disciples. It's coming from Peter. And, and, and Peter is, is being sincere. It's a sincere question. So, if you look at verses 21 to 22... Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. So seven is fairly generous. The Pharisees were, were, were saying, you know, three times and then you can, you can cut it. Peter is trying to be generous and he's saying up to seven times. Look at 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. wow. Or more literally, 70 times, seven times. And if you can do quick maths, that will take you to 490. 490 times. The religious people of Jesus' day, had, they'd done with forgiveness what they'd previously done was loving your neighbor. The Pharisees had reduced it down to the bare minimum. What is the least that I can get away with? What's the least that I can get away with? What is the limit? Or, or simply put, When can I stop forgiving? That is the bottom line. When is it that I can stop forgiving? And you know, as Peterson learns, forgiveness isn't something that can be tracked. It's not something that can be measured, but actually, it's a way of life. Forgiveness is a heart condition, it's not a step counter. I get a step counter on my wrist. I know my my daily steps. I know what I need to be getting. I know my heart rate. I know my daily targets. And I know that if I do the dishes at home, I will get to my step counter a whole lot quicker if I don't do the dishes. I know how to game my step counter. When Emma and I are driving up north and then she looks at hers and realizes that she hasn't hit hers, she'll start tapping her feet in the passenger side of the car. <laughs> and then she'll hit her, her hourly target, and that is not fair. She knows what, it, what to do to game the system. I know my steps will gradually increase whenever I do X, Y, and Z. I know what it takes. And so Peter is wondering, where can he draw the line here? And so Peter has been sincere, but he's still wondering, where can the line be drawn? Surely there is somewhere where I can stop forgiving people. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And Jesus is incredible with his parables. Look at verses 23. Jesus said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began to settle, as he began to settle, and a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And so at this then, the servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me. Remember that line, be patient with me. And I will pay everything back. Remember that as well. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt, let him go. Great. So in the first part of the parable, we've got these two people. We've got the king and we've got the servant. And to give a little bit of context, the the servant owed 10,000 bags of gold. And so the 10,000 bags of gold, one bag of gold equaled one talent. One talent was approximately 20 years wages. And so again, let's do a bit more quick maths. If you do quick maths, you'll realise that this was a debt roughly equating to 20,000 years' wages. So let's take the minimum wage in Ireland is I, I don't know tw- 22, 20, 23k. 20,000 years of that. And so here's two points to note: is that the king was well within his rights to claim every last cent of the debt. And the second note is the king forgave an astronomical debt that the servant could never repay. And so it sounds simple so far. And the king in the parable is God. So this is what we must remember. The king in the parable is God and the servant is us. It's so much nicer whenever the servant is somebody else. Ultimately, the king is God, the servant is us. But this is where things get really interesting. Look with me at verses 28 onwards. But then the servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants. So he owed him a hundred silver coins. So remember, a hundred silver coins is a hundred denarii. So really, it's a hundred days' wages. So let's do a bit more maths. That's three and a little bit of months. I see Vaughn sitting here who's basically an accountant. This man's a genius when it comes to maths. (laughs) Three and a bit months of wages. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Look what he says. Be patient with me and I will pay it back exact same phrase as used before. But he refused, and instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. They went in and they told the master everything that had happened. You know, a third person enters a parable here. We've got the servant who'd been forgiven the astronomical debt through this other person into the prison over a tiny debt, over a small debt. But... It was still a debt. It was still three and a bit months. So let's say it's 1,500 times three or four and a half. It's about five grand of debt. Five grand isn't tiny, but it's still not astronomical. So it's still a debt. Why couldn't he forgive the other person considering the great debt that he'd just been forgiven from? Let's go back to them first answers. Perhaps he didn't trust that the king was just. Perhaps he wanted the other person to pay. Perhaps he wasn't willing to absorb the cost himself. Church, the real kicker comes here in verse 35. Look at it. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. From your heart, not lip service. From your heart. So often we want the bad guy, the other person, to get what's coming to them, but not us. Never, somebody else drives in the bus lane and I'm sitting in traffic, I want them to get caught. I want the guards to be sitting down the road. I want them to be pulled in. I want to see blue lights. I want to see the guard a man out, or guard a woman out beside them, giving them a ticket. But yet, whenever Mafia's going down the bus lane, I just want nobody to see it. I just want to get down there and get in, and, and I, want, I want to skip the queue. I don't want me to get caught. I want the other person to be caught. But yet Jesus upside down and inside out kingdom of heaven that he's established here on earth, Jesus' rule and reign says otherwise. And so what then does the kingdom of heaven look like? I want to suggest that forgiveness, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Forgiveness is not merely to be received, but it's to be reciprocated. Look at that. It's not merely to be received, but it's to be reciprocated. Understanding that I, Mafia, could never pay back such a great debt, that I cannot help but forgive others. I've been forgiven, and so that gives me such freedom to forgive others. Jesus says to his followers, after being anointed by a sinful woman who was down on her hands and knees, who let down her hair, and began to wash Jesus' feet. And Jesus said to her, and said to those around him, because her many sins have been forgiven, she has loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. So those who understand and those who experience just how forgiven they are, are best placed to love well, to forgive well, and to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. Church, forgiven people become forgiving people. So forgiveness isn't merely to be received, but it's to be reciprocated. Secondly, dispensing forgiveness is greater than demanding justice. You know, we have a tendency to, to, uh, to double standards. Whenever I'm late for something, I'm hoping, you know, please have grace on me. Don't say anything. Just, I'm going to turn up. I'll be here. Sure, it's not all that important anyway. Whenever I started working for the church, I was a little bit late a few times. I kind of had this blasé attitude. I'll just turn up whenever. But Whenever they're late, whenever somebody else is late, then I get impatient. They should be here. They should be here right now. Why aren't they here? Perhaps there's something wrong, but they have a message, Why are they late? See, this double standard. Dispensing forgiveness does not mean and does not make light of the need for justice, but rather we're becoming willing to absorb the cost. I'm going to think the very best of that person who is late. I'm not going to go and jump down their throats. You know, they've got grace for me whenever I'm late, and so surely I need to have grace for them whenever they're late. And so in choosing to forgive others, I'm not letting them off the hook, but rather I'm just choosing to absorb the pain. Absorb the cost of forgiving You know, Jesus absorbed the cost and the pain for my sin. He absorbed the pain and the cost for your sin, for your grievances. And so now, whenever we understand just how forgiven we are, we have that same freedom to forgive others. So, church, don't 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 mishear me. Demanding justice is key where there is injustice. But let's not put the cart before the horse. Let's be people who are quicker to dispense forgiveness than they are to demand justice. Thirdly, forgiveness isn't a recommendation, but it's a requirement. This one hits home. I don't like this. I do not like this. This one hits me where it hurts. It's not a recommendation. We are not recommended to forgive others, but it is a requirement. You know, Ephesians 4, 32, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And that's great. But look at this last part. Just as in Christ, God forgive you. Christ City Church, our standard for forgiveness is found in no other than Jesus. So forgiveness, tough as it may be, is made possible because of Jesus. And it's good news. This is good news today for us. Because on the cross at Calvary, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe so that I could experience freedom and reconciliation for a debt I could not pay. So because of Jesus' redeeming mercy, I can be merciful toward others. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiving because I'm forgiven. Again, forgiven people become forgiving people. Remember that. So forgiveness isn't, isn't about what somebody has done to me, but it's rather what someone has done for me. I want you to hear that. So forgiveness isn't about what someone has done to me, but it's rather what someone has done for me. We shift our eyes from being the victim, and we look at Jesus. Nothing that has ever been done to me and nothing that has ever been done to you will be comparable to what Jesus has done for me. Now, church, I do not make light of the troubles I do not make light of some of the things that have been done to you, whether physical, whether emotional, whether spiritual, it could be economical. I do not make light of them, but what I do hold in real high esteem is the one who has died for your sin and for my sin, who has forgiven you, who has forgiven me and enabled us to forgive others. And so that leads us to the question then, what happens whenever we don't forgive? Whenever we don't forgive someone for their sin against us, we're effectively making them pay for it because they deserve it, right? And then that will re- involve responses that, that, that revolve around the, the lines of being passive-aggressive, perhaps. Standoffish. Could be, could be anger coming out. It could be belittling. It could be seeking revenge. It could be taking the opportunity to do whatever it takes to make them feel a little bit of what they've done to me because they deserve it, don't they? Church, unforgiveness is like a cancer. It's like a cancer, and it'll begin to destroy us. It'll work its way from the inside out. And in in the parable, the servant's unforgiveness ends up getting him imprisoned and gets him tortured until he paid back the whole debt. I can tell you this, that servant did not live for 20,000 years. That servant could not pay back the debt. In that parable, that servant spent all his days in prison. And so for us, going down this path of unforgiveness will leave us chained to the past. It'll leave us carrying a a, a ball that we are chained to, and that ball is called bitterness, it is called envy, it is called anger, it's called resentment. And we will just simply drag that along with us wherever we go, whatever we do. This man Nelson Mandela came out of prison, and he was quoted as saying, "'As I walked out the door toward the gate "'that would lead to my freedom,' I knew that if I didn't leave behind my bitterness and hatred, I'd still be in prison. This man recognized that his freedom did not come from stepping outside of prison walls, but his freedom came from what he let go of on the inside. Very often, unforgiveness can be a root cause of the way we handle things. The way we think, the way we speak the way we we desire and then the way we act. Now, yeah, I've been hurt and I've never dealt with that. Therefore, I get angry really easily. I have a short fuse. I have a really short fuse. Why? Well, because I've never actually forgiven the hurt that's been done to me. And so whenever that crops up, bam, I'm triggered and there we go. Or maybe this one is for you. I push people back and refuse to open up to them. It's driven by the hurt that's underneath the service. I refuse to let them in. I refuse to go there. Why? In case I get hurt again. If we do to others as they do to us, I can tell you plainly, there will be not much change. If anything, things will get worse. To repay evil for evil is the currency of the world. But yet if we do unto others as we would have them do unto us, then things might change. So to repay evil with good is the way of Jesus. It's a demonstration of the kingdom of heaven. And again, Tim Keller put it so helpfully. Forgiveness is always a form of voluntary suffering that brings about a greater good. When you're wrong, the perpetrator owes you. It may be literal and financial, but in any case, he or she has wrongfully robbed you of some good, whether reputation or relationship or health or of something else. And so to forgive is to deny oneself revenge. It's a commitment to not try to exact repayment from them by inflicting on them the things they did to you. Therefore, forgiveness is always costly to the forgiver. But look at this. The profits, at least within your own heart, and at best in the restoration of the relationship, outweigh the cost. Church, the voluntary suffering brings about a greater good. But I want to tell you, be prepared. It may not bring about the restoration of relationship that you'd hope for. At the very least, it's good for our heart. It profits us. But I want to tell you, it may not bring about a restoration of relationship. And we've got to be okay with that. So whenever we choose to forgive, it releases us. It releases us, not the other person. We're not letting go of our desire for justice. Rather, we're trusting God. With it. We're saying, God, I want justice. I want you to come and be just. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to forgive this person and I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm releasing me from it and I'm handing this over to you. I trust that you are just. We're believing that God is just and that I don't need to keep score. I don't go home and climb into bed and turn around and write on the wall, one, two, three, four, and then cross it off. I am not keeping track. I am not keeping count. In fact, I'm keeping a short account. I'm trusting Jesus with it. I'm handing it over. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Forgiven people become forgiving people. And that may not always change for the better. And there's no quick solution to cheat the system. And it doesn't automatically mean reconciliation. And you know, whenever we issue forgiveness... It is with the view that we want reconciliation, but that may take a longer while to come, and we've got to be okay with that. But the first step is us stepping out and forgiving. And that happens not through lip service, but through a heart transformation. And as our heart is transformed, then our lips will follow. So we've saw that forgiveness is hard, and it involves trusting that God is just. It involves letting go of the need for revenge, and it and we've got to be okay with that, and it involves absorbing the pain. So to summarize, forgiveness is not merely to be re- received, but it's to be reciprocated. As dispensing forgiveness is greater than demanding justice. And then forgiveness is not a recommendation, but it is a requirement. And church, whenever we don't forgive others, first of all, we make them pay for it. Secondly, we stop, stop trusting that God is just. And thirdly, we end up chaining ourselves to the very people that we want rid of. And so I want to take us this evening to the one place that gives us hope whenever we struggle to forgive people. The one place that gives us hope when we struggle to forgive people. On the cross, Jesus, the Son of God, took your place. He suffered and bled, He was scorned and He was shamed. And willingly, he trusted that his father was God and that he was good. When Jesus was on the cross, there was not a hint of revenge. In fact, when he was on the cross, he was more concerned about who would look after his mom. Jesus absorbed the cost and the pain of a debt that he did not owe to forgive a people who could not pay. Why? And the writer in Hebrews said, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And church, I want to tell you, Jesus scorned the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding for you and I today. And so whenever we look at the cross, John Stott says, every time we come to the cross, Christ seems to be saying to us, I am here because of you. It is your sin I am bearing, your curse I am suffering, your death that I am dying. Nothing in history or in the universe cuts us down to size like the cross. All of us have inflated views of ourselves, especially in self-righteousness, until we have visited a place called Calvary. Christ City Church at Calvary, Jesus has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Therefore, I can forgive the excusable in others. And so as I close and as the band comes back up, I want us to consider three significant moments on the cross. As Jesus was on that cross, there were significant moments that I think every single one of us fall into. And to those who scorned and who mocked and who jeered Jesus as he was nailed to the cross, Jesus prays and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And maybe you're here today and you're a scoffer. Maybe you're a mocker. Maybe you do not follow Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus said about you, Father, forgive him or her for they do not know what they're doing. On the cross, Jesus, forgive you for your mocking. And on the cross, beside Jesus, you had two thieves One of them was slabbering. The other one turned and said, that we are getting punished justly for what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. When Jesus was on the cross, there was a thief beside him who recognized him, who recognized the injustice, and who recognized that here is one dying for the sins of the world, the righteous one, And this thief wanted everything to do with him. And Jesus said to him, I tell you this today, you will be with me in paradise. And the third moment on the cross, Jesus' last words was this beautiful word called telestai, and it means it is finished. It is complete, it is accomplished, It is paid in full. That invoice has been sent and it is stamped and it is said, the debt has been paid. Tetalestai, as far as the east is from the west, so far has Jesus removed your transgressions from you. It is paid in full. Jesus has paid the price that we may go free. But what do we do in our freedom? We, We forgive others. The kingdom of heaven is a demonstration of how we forgive others because we have been forgiven. So if you're able, will you stand with me? And church, we're going to sing. And as we sing, I'd encourage you to reflect on one, on what Jesus has done for you, but two, on how you and I live our lives around our neighbors. Jesus, I pray that the Christ City Church would not be like the Pharisees who were happy with forgiving people three times and then no more. Jesus, I pray we would not be like Peter who would have a sincere question but who, who would seek what is the minimum, what's the bare minimum we could get away with. But Jesus, may Christ City Church be a reflection of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, we want to look like you and to look like you, we need to become like you. So Holy Spirit, I pray you would come, you would transform our hearts where we need a touch of you, I pray you would come. And as you come, I pray you would strengthen us and you would you'd touch that very place where we need to forgive someone. And as you do that, Jesus, we recognize that's going to be painful. It's going to be costly. and We are going to absorb that cost because there was one greater who went before us and who absorbed that cost for us. Jesus, we love you. In your name, amen. Amen. Amen.